Welcome to Integral Christian Network Podcast, where we explore ways of evolving towards a more loving, inclusive, and embodied mystical Christianity. All right. Well, we're here today with Elias Kruger and David Pinkston and myself, Luke Healy. And we're going to start today with a little whole body mystical awakening practice to help us all, uh, the three of us and any of you listening, please uh, move into this practice with us to open our centers of awareness to bring a fuller embodied consciousness to this conversation, to this time of exploring these ideas and energies and uh, ways of being. So let's just begin first by moving down into our heart center, maybe letting the breath guide you there. Just being present to any energy or whatever is entering your awareness from your heart space, welcoming that energy and presence and activation of your heart. And now bringing in your feet to awareness, perhaps wiggling your toes or feeling your feet against the ground beneath you moving into a grounded presence, perhaps rooting, or if you're moving in a car, feeling that flowing stream, that connection to the earth, and to that vibrant energy of materiality coursing with the divine. And now coming into our spiritual womb, our gut space, into our gut space. Just letting that awareness of our being center down into this embrace. Into our deeper identity. our divine self flowing forth. Now also welcoming our awareness in our headspace, perhaps a cleared stillness, a vibrancy and an openness to uh our collective consciousness, openness to mystery, to ideas that may feel beyond our mind or that stimulate and energize and cultivate our growth and possibility. And so we're here together in our whole being, fully present. Okay. So today we're going to be 
talking a little bit about mystical Christian transhumanism. Uh, but before we get into all of that, <laughs> um, Elias, uh, welcome. Let's let's just start by hearing a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your spiritual journey and um, yeah, where, where you're coming from today. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, my, my spiritual journey really has been, you know, one of, uh, many turns as, uh, as, as many, uh, that I have finding that I'm finding now are going through. Um, but I definitely say that through the last five years, it kind of started, uh, through a place of, uh, trying to integrate things. Um, I was, uh, kind of coming out of seminary and, um, had a, a job with technology, was, you know, technologist and, and figure, you know, um, can I try to put these two together? And, and, you know, so that was one thought, uh, that I had and, and kind of ruminating on. And the second one was, uh, just realizing that the traditional ministry wasn't, it was clearly not going to be the path for me, which was an idea that took me many years to accept. Um, and so, uh, out of the death of this, uh, what I thought was a call to ministry and, but also deep desire to integrate, uh, Christian spirituality with, you know, technology at that point, I really kind of started on this journey that, that, um, you know, led me into, uh, what you just mentioned, kind of the, the mystical Christian transhumanism and, and part of it, um, and include a lot of things, uh, as, as many people of my generation that grew up kind of evangelical, there was definitely a good bit of deconstruction. Uh, some of it with, uh, you know, with, with hurt and wounds and other of it's with, with gratitude. Um, there was, uh, interaction with people and kind of getting out, getting out of, uh, um, you know, of my comfort zone and of, of the groups that had shielded me and kept me in, in the, in a bubble. Um, and through, uh, you know, through those interfaces and, um, you know, I, I felt like I started finding, uh, this path. I didn't quite know where it was going. Um, in fact, I didn't even know if it was God leading me or if it was just me kind of, <laughs> uh, going, but, but it was definitely a path, um, away from what I thought was a, a path of faithfulness to God that meant being faithful to a church and, and kind of just, you know, centering your life around that, whether through ministry or as a faithful, uh, you know, uh, uh, faithful member to, to kind of more becoming a citizen of the world and, and understanding and trying to live that out at, at, at every sphere mm -hmm. uh, from work to, you know, families through, uh, nature and, um, really expanding out of that initial box that I was, that I had confined God to be in. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really great. And I think what I hear you saying in the, the desire for integration, but also the necessity of shedding and releasing, and, you know, sometimes we say deconstructing, but there's, yeah, there's a real kind of, um, balance isn't the right word, but that isn't that part of the, I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to that desire for integration, but also the need to, to shed and release some of the, the things that, um, we came up in. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so that's, that's, um, 
that's certainly resonant with the integral process with uh, coming into uh, what we do. But but I'm curious about about the mystical. So maybe we can start there and yeah. feel free to keep bringing in your journey in it as well. In the right. sense of yeah, what makes it mystical? This and for the integration and for you. Yeah. So yeah, the mystical was really you know of course I didn't know didn't know this uh, let's say three or five years ago or or maybe not even six months ago. But but it's it's very clear that the mystical is is a foundation, the mystical perspective. Um, I had I had a I had been exposed to Christian mysticism to a certain extent historically, again through studying and and was aware of um, you know Hildegard von Bingen uh, uh, and uh, a few others uh, you know French uh, um, can't remember his name now the the heart that was. You know, had something about the heart of, of Christ um, and Meister, and so was was kind of aware of that. Um, and but and then also grew up in the charismatic uh, you know movement. So so in some ways had had this mystical experience. It's just that we call it something else. Yeah. I call it the presence of God. Uh, you know, falling in the spirit or, or speaking in tongues and, and and all of that. And and so. Um, but those things were very, uh, they, they weren't connected. I knew that they were part of Christianity, right. But they weren't really connected. Um, so when I, when I think about the mystical, I really think about the experience of God. That's, that's the, the key thing is, is, is the experience. And I wouldn't even say just God, but of, of the, I love the, the word numinous, uh, uh, from, a a great theologian and an early 20th century that, that kind of coined this word talking about God as the numinous, this, this sense that we get of, of something that is beyond us, but present, but, you know, far away. And, uh, you know, so, so there is that. Um, so that's big. And then the other one is um, the, the idea of the non-dual view right? Which is kind of part of the contemplative. So it's mystical, but it's also contemplative in the sense of um, the ability to hold different ideas together without trying to resolve them. The, uh, shedding the either and or thinking, which kind of dominates a lot of our uh, theological thinking, a lot of our thinking about God. And, um, and I think I, I must, you know, very grateful for people like Father uh, Richard Rohr that kind of helped me go down this, uh, this lane. Um, but, uh, I think it was really, and then I must, must credit the integral Christian network to kind of helping me really come this together and, and, and make me understand, yes, those things that you experienced as an 11 year old in a retreat where you were, uh, feeling the presence of God and being overwhelmed and crying and, and just knowing that, in the deep of your heart, deep of your heart, that God is there. That is the mystical experience that you can now carry on into this new phase. Uh, that is different in the sense that, you know, back then it was, it was very much about, it, it's a lot about how we describe it, right? So the experience may not be that different, but how we describe it, because when we describe it, we immediately try to put them into these boxes of, Oh, it was the Holy spirit that did this. And, and it has to fit to a, you know, that's at least how it used to be for me, you know, has to fit into a biblical pattern or a biblical verse and all that. And, and if, if 
you know, if we can just accept that this is the experience, right. And the explanation is the second step and that, you know, that, that we can just allow it to be what it is without trying to fully understand it. Um, to me, that's the mystical, right. And, 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 and it's even not just, uh, it's a perspective and a, a, a attitude towards the world and, and, and of being receptive, um, to things without, um, being too quick to jump into conclusions and assumptions, but being there in the moment. Yeah, mm, yeah definitely. And just that brings me back to sort of the, that second word Christian and how, how we, yeah, what, what we put onto those, those experiences and the, the boxes and the confines and, mm. and, um, and yeah. And just in your, you met, you mentioned a little bit about um, growing up in that charismatic setting and some of the ways that that, um, I think you've described it before as militant spirituality yeah. as a, a nice term that I liked. And right. so talk a little bit about that, of like that act yeah. of the mystical carrying through. Cause I think that's really resonant with a lot of like, we have these experiences, right. Yeah. And the container that we have, the explanation, as you said, that shapes so much of, of how we see. And, and as, as we grow and evolve and develop and integrate, right. Some of those ways that we framed it before, um, you know, they don't fit anymore. They don't. So, so it makes us maybe question the experience, right. Or we hold that experience, but with what, what's the new explanation? How do we come to that? And that, that again, goes into the sort of the shedding and the integrating and and doing both of those. So yeah. Yeah. How did that kind of unfold for you? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I am, and that's, that's really where I start. I, I, I am grateful for, uh, my charismatic background, uh, I'll call it, you know, my mother, my, my church mother, I'll call it the Brazilian charismatic church that birthed me into the body of Christ. A lot of things about it that today I I cannot, uh, you know, agree or stand for or, or whatever, but, but I am very grateful for allowing me to connect directly to God through these experiences. Right. And, 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 celebrating that and saying this is part of our spirituality it's not just about reason or or theology it it is about this experience um but and i think here's kind of where the the deconstruction started coming is i also realized looking back and also looking where uh most a lot of the charismatic movements and leaders have gone to recently uh, in political positionings, not just in the United States, but in other places. Uh, and I can speak specifically about Brazil, who is, who had a a similar positioning of, uh, charismatic, uh, Christians aligning themselves with authoritarian right-wing, you know, politics. And I was just put it that way at a high level. And, and what I realized is that all along there was this militant trend, uh, this militant thread in it. Right. And it was very much, I mean, it would be, it would take quite a while to unpack, but, but, but the, the main, the main, um, rocks of it, you know, the main foundations was obviously a dispensational view of the world, right. Jesus is coming back. Um, and we must be faithful. And, but on the other hand, we're, we're, we're not going to care about uh, what's going on in the world where we are just trying to save as many people as we can. Um, there was the cultural war that was interpreted as spiritual war. Right. So then we're always up against it's us versus them. We're trying to keep this Christian 
heritage, and that's very much uh, North American, even though it, it filtered through to other churches, right? So we're trying to stand up for X, Y, and Z, and and that and that kind of translated into our prayers, right? You know, we then this whole idea of spiritual warfare. You know, we sometimes I remember we would spend like hours, you know, praying, and we thought we were fighting. We didn't know what we were fighting. We didn't even know what was happening, but we just knew we were fighting. There was the sense that we needed to fight for something. And, um, you know, not to say that, the, 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 that there's no end of struggle, but that what I realized is, is to step into this new station of my journey, I had to let go of that militant uh, casing of that of the mystical experience and allow the mystical to just be what it is it's, it's it is the experience with god it is the experience with you know with spirit and not part of this bigger plan to to kind of bring the kingdom of god to the earth so good to, i mean i appreciate you, sh- you sharing that elias that's um i think there's a lot of ways that yeah, I'm sure that resonates with a number of people. <laughs> we have these these expressions of Christianity that, but it you know it it strikes me too in in how yeah you're appreciative of of the mother and how how it brought you into something and it and it led you to something. Uh, I can relate to that in my own sense of uh, my own upbringing and that it, it gave a real passion and fervor, you know, <laughs> and that's a gift, you know. I, I think I I too yeah certainly had more tribal expressions of that when I was younger in a way of like that, that could be militant or could be, you know, bringing the kingdom of God, this, this, this sort of, um, us first them or conversion, all those elements that, right. That happen a lot from that, that stage of, of, uh, faith. And it's like, um, you mentioned before about your experiences that are deep and that are touching. And then we have the explanation, and that is kind of the language or the mythos that we put it on. And so, so that can very easily get kind of spun into, right. Like a militant or a, uh, you know, wh- whatever it might be, these sort of religious or institutional manipulations, even at times, uh, maybe not consciously, a lot of them are unconscious and just right <laughs> how it goes. But, but the response to that, I think is that third step where it's like, okay, how do, how do I respond? You mentioned earlier about going to seminary and, you know, kind of this, this devotional side of like this, th- there's something that's so uh strong here that's intense that that is carrying me into something and that and that changes right as the explanation changes as the mythos changes but it i know for myself it it did kind of give me a a passionate fervor uh, for the lord right if i want to use that traditional language and that's hopefully one of those healthy integrations that we can make sometimes that can carry us too far right and then we get into shame around (laughs) ways that we maybe expressed it in the past but um, yeah, I, I just feel like that brings brings us to that response of of transhumanism and the technical world. And, you know, most people I don't I, I guess you were working in the technical field before you went to to seminary yeah. and then or just th- that's not a common uh, combination, I think. So right, right. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about that. And then, yeah, how it's how it's led into right. your response unfolding, integrating those those two yeah. arenas. Um. Yeah, I, I think for, for, for a long time, I, I live a very compartmentalized faith and, and it was really hard to bring them together. And, and, and I mean, it's been expressed by many people in different ways. So one is the, you know, the, the Monday to Sunday uh, dichotomy, uh, secular and sacred, right? And, and so, yeah, no, I, uh, 
so all throughout seminary and even before I you know had a job working in analytics um, in a large company and, and kind of just went through that career. Never quite understood why, actually, honestly, for, for the longest time thought, you know, this is just a entryway into the things that I really want to do. Right. Um, until eventually it's like, well, this is not going away. This is not just a job. I've been here for you know almost 20 years, you know, and, and this is becoming part of me. And I think it was it was a part that was a lot more analytical, a lot more intellectual, a lot more, um, uh, you know, more about reason. Right. And, uh, and then of course the, the interaction of technology, I, I kind of, uh, you know, stumbled. I mean, it, it wasn't by design, but I ended up stumbling into an area that was, that's continues to, to grow, which is areas of artificial intelligence and, uh, got to, you know, build machine learning models and, and kind of get more into that world. Um, and, and, and I think that that's where I had to, I think the way that I, I, I couldn't really connect that with, with, uh, let's say with the, the Christianity that I was receiving, uh, you know, on Sundays, um, there just wasn't much to connect, uh, because, maybe the only way I can say is because it was so narrow that it, it just didn't have openings to this area. And, and I think coming to seminary helped because it kind of allowed me to understand, well, this is not just about me and my church. And now it is, you know, think about 2000 years of church history. And, uh, and something that kind of really helped start making that connection. Right. And, and I started realizing, you know, kind of looking around and say, well, I'm working with this thing called efficient intelligence. And, and now I'm looking everywhere, everybody's talking about this thing. So I might as well understand why, you know, this is kind of eliciting so much response. And, and I think that's really kind of what started the, the journey towards AI theology. So, you know, I, I think, uh, right. I finished seminary and, and I was like, okay, I got to do something with this. I can't quite, you know, quit my job per se. So, um, that's when I had just finished seminary and I decided to, to start this, you know, this blog and a website and I called it, you know, AI theology. And, and the idea was, was very much to bring these two worlds together, right? The, the world that I have encountered in both church and seminary and this technical technological world, um, and then also realizing that that technological world was encroaching everywhere. Right. And, and so I think that's where I think I started understanding uh, the context that, you know, we do live in a technological age and and that and I really I mean, unfortunately, I really didn't see a lot of people doing theology from that perspective at all uh, when I was in seminary. There are a few now, but even again, it's very few. It's just I think it has to do with a lot of things. But one of them is the separation between um social science and hard sciences, you know, people that study theology don't, you know, they don't, very few go into science or, or technology, you know, so there's this big separation. So, uh, again, that was another thing that I, I wanted to integrate, um, not just try to make sense of my faith, but also see, you know, if technology is going to be part of everything, then we have to find meaning. We have to understand. And it's not just about, you know, what's good and bad. It's not just about moral uh, or ethics, even though that is very important, but even more important how technology can maybe help us um, on the positive side and, and, and do things for good. And, and, and uh, the very things that we dream about um, and, and see in the life of Christ. So. Mm, yeah, that's great. I love that. I mean, that 
you know, you mentioned earlier where your, your, your initial thought, your orientation was like, Oh, a call to ministry, or I need to go into ministry. And that, I think that's how most people conceive of seminary. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to go to seminary so I can become a pastor or work in ministry. It's this very kind of separated, uh, maybe even dualistic thing where it's like, okay, you know, there's ministry over here, but, but I love that. Like that is the integration into daily life. Like you're not leaving, going into ministry as a separate thing, although that's okay. And people do that and that's, you know, right. But, but this way of, of integrating, I mean, like you said, it is rare that the hard science, the soft science, the bringing together of that is, is yeah, vital and necessary. And, and like you said, there aren't too many voices in it. So let's, let's learn about it. Teach us, tell us, tell us more about it. AI theology, or, or do we want to go to transhumanism yet? Well, no, because I think, I think that's the path to transhumanism, right? So, uh, so what is transhumanism? Let's start there. (laughs) So I think, you know, transhumanism is, uh, you know, again, very misunderstood term. Um, I think uh, the most common and, and famous uh, you know, interpretation of it is this idea of uh, trying to basically help evolution along, right? So, so we are we have evolved, and and now we're we want to evolve further, and in that sense, to use technology, right? And the main way that that uh, so I'm just talking about strictly transhumanism, uh, and maybe what I'll call a secular transhumanism, and then what that translates into practice is is a search for longevity and how can we hack our bodies into longer lifespans and uh, looking at aging as a disease. Uh, A lot of things that, um, you know, are just kind of really out there um, and and not, not that we, that we haven't thought, right. We just, just accept that aging and death is part of everything. And uh, but interesting enough, right. And, And then that's why I like to call it Christian transhumanism. Right. So, so there is that, what I'll call secular transhumanism. And then there is this, this upshoot here that's just starting, which is this idea of Christian transhumanism, right? And, and uh, there are many attitudes between Christians and transhumanists. One is to simply reject outright and say, you know what, technology is never going to bring us the resurrection. It's all about the spirit. And all of that is a fake way of getting resurrection, right? And that's, that's one way to deal with it. Um, again, the, the, the theme with me had to be integration. So I'm like, even if it's not great, even if I'm not like all into, you know, Ray Carter's will and and not necessarily agree with everything, there's something here that I need to, that I need to look into. And, and so that's where I found kind of the Christian Transhumanist Association, which are folks, the Christians that were very serious about, uh, you know, uh, looking at transhumanism, but with with the purpose of, of faith and imbued by faith. And and then when you start learning more about the history of transhumanism, you actually find out that it has roots uh, within, you know, uh, uh, Christianity. You know, this Taylor de Chardin is probably the first transhumanist. He's the one that's looking, talking about the omega point. And, and he's clearly, you know, a big influence, you know, in the movement. You have a movement in Russia uh, Orthodox Christianity, the Fedorov, who is also looking to cosmism, which is uh, also a, a variant of, 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 of transhumanism, right? And then you start realizing that uh, that transhumanism is is basically, um, um, and then you can go back all the way to Francis Bacon, you know, in, in the you know 16th century, who saw science as basically a way to fulfill, to basically heal 
the curse of the sin, you know, of the original sin, right? So then transhumanism then, of course, has to do you know, with technology and building technology. But then, you know, if, if you think about technology, I mean, just, just look at where it's going, right? We, we, we had screens and now we have phones. Now we have watches. I mean, what's next? I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be embedded, right? It is that meshing of technology with humanity. Um, it will still take some time, but that's, that's where things are going. So, um, so transhumanism, uh, you know, Christian transhumanism at its best is, is really using, uh, you know, science and technology, um, to, for human flourishing. You know, that is, um, and, and, and uh, to me that aligns with the kingdom of God and, and, and always possible. Right. So, so it is the application of science and technology towards, you know, human flourishing. And, and more recently I have, um, expanded that to see, so transhuman is not just about humans, but the flourishing of all life. Right. So it's not just about making humans better and live longer, but for crying out loud, just making a, a planet life be sustained for longer, you know, and flourish. And, and, and so uh, that's really the way that I see Christian transhumanism is like, how do I translate my Christianity into very, very practical, earthy ways to do good? And, and that's kind of how I arrived at Christian transhumanism. It might not, you know, people have arrived in, in different places, but that's, that's really kind of where, where that is. So I hope that answers your question. It was probably yeah, there. no, that's great. There's a lot to consider there. And, and before we get into more details of that, uh, you know, kind of working, we work mystical Christian transhumanism and then transhumanism, Christian transhumanism. How right. does the mystical tie back into that? I mean, obviously Tehar de yeah. Chardin was very mystical and there's a lot there, but even with the earthiness and the embodiment, right? Yeah. Sometimes we think mystical, we think disembodied or we think outside right. of. And so, yeah, it seems yeah. like there's, yeah, to help talk more about that. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. And, and I think that that the mystical comes back by, um, so interacts with transhumanism a lot in the idea of consciousness, of, of you know, collective consciousness, which in transhumanism is mostly, you know, seen in a scientific, technologic, detached, uh, you know, observer perspective, Right. And so to me, the mystical kind of breaks that apart and say, yes, it's still science, it's still technology, but it is also about this connection with the earth, connection with each other, right? That consciousness is, is both something that we can see in matter and we may be able to, to learn more through science and understand better, but there is this divine connection as well that we cannot quite put in a test tube, but we know it's there. And, and, and in some ways it's a shift in, again, kind of undoing of that separation of hard sciences, religion, you know, that we had to do to, because we just got so complex and nobody could study all of this together and, 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 and bringing them together. So to me, the mystical, it becomes then a paradigm, uh, to, uh, to look into transhumanism and, and see it, not just as a technological endeavor, um, but as a continuation of my contempl contemplation in the morning. And, and that's, that's really how I see the mystical. And then suddenly it just lights up in a very different way for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and yeah, there's more to talk about there. I, I want to back up a second though, and just go back to sort of 
uh, our relationship with technology. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something too, that some people might have hangups on or, or, or even just an unawareness of how much, uh, we are, I mean, obviously we know we're on our phones all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know there's like, there's so much more to that. There's, you know, we wear glasses, there's, it affects our, you know, technology is affecting our brain chemistry. I mean, there's a lot there, but I think sometimes with Christian and maybe even mystical, it's kind of like, well, we're, you know, we're going into silence. We're, we're going to go out into nature. We're going to put away our phones, right? We're going we're to get some time in silence. Yeah. We're going to, you know, don't listen to binaurial beats, right? No, no, no. That's just a joke. Right. But like, um, but like, you know, there is sort of like this, I don't know, maybe a purity sort of mindset almost, right? Where the mystical or contemplative needs to be apart. It needs to be silent. It needs to be right. So how does, how do we understand and how do we come to, you know, what is a healthy relationship with technology? What, how, how maybe, maybe the fear there, like Mm -hmm. where do you think people are coming from with, with fears of technology and rapid rapidity of change and all these things? I I don't know if you just could speak to that a little more. Sure. No, that's, that's great. And I mean, just a little anecdote. Um, I, 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 you know, I post my, my articles in different places in Facebook and I, I got into this group called Christian esoteric Christians. And I thought, you know, let me put this, you know, I think it was, was the part three of the three. And Oh my gosh, I got so much response about the transhumanism. Like they could not handle it. It was like, they were so scandalized. And I'm like, you guys are exoteric Christians. Like you, 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 you're non-dualistic, but you can't like transhumanism somehow is a scandalous. And, and it just shows that all of us have our, you know, our blind spots. Of, no, I, I, I know I must have mine on too, but I, I you know, to, to go to your question, I think it starts, you know, there's, there's a lot, of, a lot of work that needs to be done there. Right. But I think it starts by uh, ending a bit the separation of technology and humanity. Right. And, and what do I mean by that? That understanding the technology is an extension of humanity. Understanding that is, you know, this idea of natural, not artificial is, is no pun intended, artificial, you know, that, 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 you know, uh, that the computer is something we created. It's part of nature, you know, uh, and, and so we, um, we need to stop, um, kind of making technology its own entity and understanding that is simply an expression of our humanity. Right. So now it may not be, uh, it may be the humanity of some, it may, you know, we can have talks about, you know, uh, power and all of that. And there is, but at the end of the day, it is, it is a uh, humanity. Right. So, so if we, if we maybe start thinking more about, you know, technology is not necessarily a break from nature, but a, you know, within a continue with nature. Right. So, so that's, that's the first step, but then there's also the movement around how, uh, not just how we use, but how we make technology, because we do, we create a technology to protect ourselves from nature. You know, that was, you know, we, we don't see that, but you know, hundreds of years ago, people were scared of, of being out in the woods, you know, woods wasn't a place to explore. It was a place where they were wor- lo- worried about, you know, the wolves and, uh, and the snakes. I, I still get worried about the snakes when I go in my backyard. I mean, it's, it's instinctive, you know, and, and while I love nature, nature is also, uh, some ways unpredictable. Right. And, and so technology was our way to try to control it. So we need to own up to that, but also kind of also see the gift of technology. Right. And, and, and I think this is kind of where this somewhat comes full circle and, and maybe where the transhumanists may go further than, you know, uh, 
than others, which is, is this understanding that, you know what, because technology is an extension of us, it's actually leading to something good. And that, yes, we are testing and we're, we're going through problems and, and, you know, there's a lot of bad things that can be said. But if you think about the development technology along the lines of kind of Taylor de Chardin's idea of, you know, the walking towards the omega point, because I think Taylor is probably one of the first ones that kind of didn't see this dichotomy, right? He saw biology and technology kind of meshed together. So if we see that, um, then, you know, I think we can be hopeful and we can also think about technology as a, a way to help us take care of nature as opposed to destroy it. And, and I think that that's, that's where that needs to go. Yeah, that's really helpful because it's like what you just said there, that it's leading to something good. You know, we, we, yeah. we've been conditioned. We've seen the movies, right? We yeah. you hear the word artificial intelligence. And I think most people think, oh, oh you know, the, the robot dogs get posted on social media and the, the mm-hmm. comments are all like, haven't you seen X, this movie? You know, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, and there's sort of this just inherent fear or or skepticism or just that's where it leads. Right. But but no, like, right. What what if? Yeah, it is leading to something good. It is a part of our our evolution. It is an extension of ourselves and of nature. And that that's a that's a different orientation, right? And that's sort of welcoming um perhaps a more uh integral or, or evolving sort of perspective that that actually, right, this can can lead to a good place. And yeah. um yeah, well, that's really helpful. And let me and let me kind of put this into a more practical level even. So I, I so I, I am a, a big fan of the full body mystical prayer, right? And and what I have found a lot of times is the place that I really enjoy is when we get to the womb, even though I don't have a womb. Uh, and I love that we don't call it God, we call it a womb. And all you know, all us dudes thinking about a womb inside of us, it's, it's, it's great, subversive and eye-opening in many ways. But what I found that to me, that is the place of creativity, you know? And it's bursting. And, 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 and then what I see is that then I will sit down and maybe that'll help me solve a problem of complexity at work or, uh, you know, or, or something even simpler, but, but I'm learning to tap into that. Right. I didn't know. Um, and I think that's the other aspect uh, to me of transhumanism is the idea of co-creation, right. That we're moving with God. Uh, God is a creator. And now we create with God, we co-create. Right. And part of that is tapping into that, um, creative divine creation right that's inside of us uh and i and i really love that through that practice i'm able to suddenly connect spiritually with something very practical which is you know the idea of creativity of having ideas and uh solving problems uh in the in my day-to-day yeah that's great and i mean the yeah the co-creation and from the womb like it's like you're saying technology as an extension of ourselves as as an act of creativity right like Absolutely. like like painting like like our work lives right it's not separated it's not cut off from ourselves it's actually flowing from our deepest identity which is what we connect to in our womb space and and maybe that also is is perhaps in some ways the root of some of those fears where that that creation's going to be separated from us and cut off from us and turn against us right. you know it's yeah, kind of absolutely. there's a there's a mythological you know almost Christian story there, perhaps in a way. Um, but that, that co-creative element is, is huge because it's, it's how does this flow out in our lives? 
and recognizing and acknowledging and appreciating that technology is a huge part of our lives and it's present and it's affecting the way we live in, in so many areas that we, most people probably don't even know about or understand. Right. Um, yeah. And so the more that we can bring in that vital divine co-creative energy to that, the healthier it's going to be right. The, the more, um, serving of the good of humanity and into a loving space in a loving way, right? Not this sort of maybe stereotypical transhumanism of a few billionaires trying to hack the hack immortality and go off and let the world, you know, cast off and right. So it's, it's much more, yeah. Embodied, integrative, connective. Um, so I love that, that element of it too. Yeah. seems really, really crucial that co-creative part. Yeah, no, I, so, and, and let me go further. Cause I mean, I've, I've, I've forced myself to, to think to these things. So a little bit kind of coming back with theology and, and going from, from systematic to practical theology. So what would that, what would Christian transhumanism look like? And, and I'll give you a very practical vision. And I, and I hope I, I keep on, I put this on my blogs and I'm hoping that somebody's going to catch this idea and I'll, I'll help them implement it. But I would love to see, well, first churches with solar panels on top of them. And second, uh, that they would use their Sunday school space as maker spaces so that people could, because again, we think about technology, about computers, but a lot of it is, is, is really crafting using your hands. Um, I, that's one thing I, I started doing, you know, I work with technology, but then now I'm starting to work with wood and, and, and building things. I'm terrible at it, by the way. Uh, uh, but I, I love the process, uh, unless it gets too, uh, too hard. But so but, but what is Christian humanism? It's like, what if the church can be the place where we help people rediscover their creative, their co-creative calling to build things? Right. We live in an age where we we just especially in the West, we buy things made. We don't make things anymore. Right. We, we create maybe apps. Right. But what about creating, you know, real things? And, and what if we could help people step into that vocation? So uh, if you want, if somebody asks, what is Christian transhumanism? Just say, you know, churches with solar panels and like, <laughs> <laughs> and people becoming makers. I mean, right. There you that's go. Like, yeah. It's that's that empowerment of owning that, that we're contributing to, um, to the world and to its unfolding and evolving. Um, I love that. And that's, that's a great vision and perspective of ways that churches can integrate that. And then also I think that extends to that becoming makers extends to, um, doing that in all of our fields of work, right? Yeah. That's the integration that it, it doesn't have to be in the church and through the church. That's a way the church yeah, can reach into, but also yeah. that we can bring that to whatever setting we're in, whatever job we're in, whatever space and whatever creativity is leading us to, right? It might be woodworking. It might be app design. It might be a really beautiful garden. It might, you know, who knows, yeah. right? That's, that's creativity. I, I can't list it all. It's got to come from that, that deep within. And that's that, that empowered. Um, and that feels maybe mystically, transhumanist to me in a sense where, where we're being yeah. empowered to take ownership of that and bring it to the world. So that's yeah. wonderful. Thank you, Alice. This has been a, a really great yeah, conversation. I don't know if you have any final thoughts or, um, I just, just really no, appreciate I, this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I hope this, this was helpful to anyone hearing and, uh, no, thanks again for having me. This, uh, this was a pleasure. 
Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we'll post a, a link to the the blogs that you mentioned, these three writings uh, in the show notes and encourage anyone to engage with Elias. Like, I know one of the things he communicated, this is an unfolding yeah. area and conversation and, and wants interaction on that. So th- if this is something you really connect with, uh, definitely reach out to Elias and write on his blog, make connections. Um, that's also part of the co-creation. So thank you. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Awesome. Dave. Thanks, yeah. Elias.